Welcome in to Locked on Nixon. It is a random Wednesday in the midst of a lost Knicks season, but also a brand new month. So that means, Gavin, we get to cash in on our mailbag for the month of March. And I think we have some great questions to go with today. If we're being fully honest, guys, we were running out of stuff to talk about, so we're relieved <laughs> to have it. Uh, we are going to cast the Knicks in an HBO show of their own, similar to the Showtime Lakers show that's coming out. And then we're going to answer some questions about a Mitchell Robinson sign-in trade, perplexing question on Deuce McBride, and so much more right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team Every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. Right now. Starts with a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, up, left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. And he's fouled. Anthony for three. Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. We want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen every day, whether it's on your favorite podcast platform in your ears or if you're taking in the sights on YouTube and seeing our smiling faces every day. I am Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Knicks site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. He is Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. And we are... Breaking down some mailbag questions today, and we are very excited to get into these, Gavin. I think this first question, it's a two-parter from one of our buddies on Twitter, uh, Ignacio, at Ignacio Lobregat. So we'll get into the first part first, and then the second part, which I think is good, is is even more lighthearted than the first part and super fun. Uh, but the first part of Ignacio's question here, who would be more fun to watch with this team? Prime Kemba or drama-free Marbury? What do you think about that? I was genuinely really torn on this question because Stefan Marbury was, was my first favorite Nick by default. Is sort of sort of my all-time favorite Nick. I think I'm still I'm still waiting for someone to come in and and, and snatch that title from him. It's it's available. Uh, nobody's really been able to do it over the years. But uh, yeah, I think oh man, I I want to. I want to say Steph because he was just, I don't know, they're, they're kind of similar players in some ways, but like Steph was just, I mean, he was inc- he was an incredible talent. I, I think anyone who was either too young or, or just forgot, like go back and watch some Steph on Marbury highlights like I did tonight. The dude was just nuts. Um, but I think I have to say Kemba Walker just because of like, like the pull-up shooting and the off-the-dribble ability. Um, and not that Marbury didn't have those things, but Kemba was maybe just sort of like the, like a, like a little bit quicker, a, a little bit of a better handle than at least the version of Marbury we got on the Knicks. And I, I just think that, I mean, I mean, that was sort of the whole like premise of, of getting Kemba this summer. And like when we had Prez on and he wrote that great article on Kemba, like he was saying like, like this is exactly what the Knicks need. The guy who can get two feet in the paint. And, and this was the uh, Kemba only has like one foot operational at this point. So he, he could not get two feet in the paint, but old Kemba uh, was, was fantastic at that. Um, and I think that kind of breakdown ability combined with the deep three point shooting that Marbury had. And I think if Marbury played in the modern NBA, like he, he might've been at least as good of a shooter as Kemba, if not better. 
Um, but because he didn't, uh, that was more of a Kemba Walker skill. So uh, it, it goes against my heart, but I have to say prime Kemba. What, what were your thoughts on that question, Alex? Because I, I like you. I thought it was a great one because I, th- I think they're very comparable players and, and both would be a lot of fun on this team. Yeah, I think I would go – I think I would go Starberry. I, I, I'm just like going a little more prototypical point guard size, you know. Uh, he was a surpri- – I was just looking up his stats. Like he was a surprisingly good three-point shooter given the era that he played in, like 36 – ish percent uh on pretty decent volume some years like four attempts or so which was good for like the early 2000s um and you know i just i think that he maybe was a little more of a facilitator more so than purely oh, definitely I, I mean i said it the other week top 20 yeah. all time in the nba in assists per game i think a lot yeah. of people forget that yeah so i mean i think i think that would be more what the knicks would need more so than you know someone that's going to look to to make those passes more so than Prime Kemba, who is awesome as he was, uh, was more of a scorer always than like a a guy setting the table for the team. Um, I think that if you could get Stefan Marbury like fully, fully head screwed on straight, you know, honestly, if you could get like the like the China version of Marbury, maybe you're in good shape right now. Maybe you don't even need like prime uh, Marbury. You just need like the the version with his head screwed on straight that can direct traffic. And uh, really do good things for this team. So, uh, I think I think Starberry's my pick there. Um, yeah, you 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 convinced me. I'm I'm going to change my answer. It's it's Marbury. The the passing is it's a fantastic point because the last thing the Knicks need is like another guy who. I mean, we we saw it with Bad Kemba this year, like a guy who wants mm-hmm. to like take over the offense. Like that that would set things back. So yeah, you're you're right. I'll, I'll admit I, I'm wrong. It's I, I guess that's the other thing too is that you know, yeah, it, like to your point, like you know, Kemba this year couldn't figure out how to play that role where he wasn't constantly in, in charge of everything. You know what I mean? So why would that get any better when he was just a better talent? You know, I, I feel like maybe some of the other players on the team might still suffer as a result. So we got, we got Knights of Kemba being that guy right? the 44, nine and eight, nine. And I mean, yeah. I guess we saw the Knicks still didn't win like that. So maybe, maybe mm-hmm. it's just, it's, it's the, the poison we don't know. Uh, I don't know if exactly. that's the same, but yeah. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, all right. So we're going to move to the second part though, of Ignacio's question here. And this one we had a lot of fun with. Um, we're gonna we're gonna breeze through some castings here. Uh, Ignacio asks, also, did you guys see the Lakers HBO show trailer? Of course, and I think everybody's seen the trailer for that show at this point. Uh, who would you cast as Knicks figures? If I could get the ball rolling, I would cast Danny McBride as James Dolan. I actually really like that casting, so I'm I'm totally cool with that one. Uh, I want to introduce Gavin, and feel free to say if you had a, a different premise for this, but I thought this would work. Sort of in like a, almost like a, a, a t- like a more like scripted version of like the Last Dance, where they sort of like show what's happening in the present and then keep flashing back to the past to give like perspective on it. Uh, but I figured that Clyde would be the main character of the show and would be played by Lakeith Stanfield uh, in total, and you would have him look younger to play young Clyde back in the day, and then older, you know, put some aging makeup on whatever to have him play. Clyde in present day and then we could sort of have flashbacks where it goes from like Clyde covering the team now to you know remembering what it was like in the seven because he's really I mean he is sort of like the only dude that's really been around the Knicks for like most of their history so I think he's probably the best connecting character for the whole show here yeah I'm I'm with you 100 I think that's a great premise and it, it could sort of be like the downfall of the Knicks right like like the glory days and then what the last starting with Clyde's like. trade right <laughs> yeah I mean there there you go maybe maybe that's the the finale is like is some something based around that but yeah I'm, I'm with you I think that's that's a great call 
Um, so then to get into some of our some of our other castings here, we kind of just bounced around. Um, we got Leon Rose uh, played by we had a this is our first disagreement. I said uh, Vincent D'Onofrio uh, of most recently um, uh, playing Kingpin. Uh, in the Daredevil series, and don't listen if you haven't seen it yet. Spoiler alert: Hawkeye, also Kingpin and Hawkeye uh, in the MCU. So as like the crime boss, uh, I think that he would he would play a pretty good Leon Rose. You went with something pretty similar, though. To be completely honest, we had the same vibes here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went with uh, Brian Cranston, basically doing a doing a Heisenberg, and and for me, I was I was leaning a slightly different direction than you. I, I think you were trying to capture the HBO vibe of like like sure it's it's funny, but like funny in the sense that like it's real and like all this funny stuff happened. I, I kind of want to make this like to represent the Knicks, honestly, like a little absurdist. So I would just want like an unhinged like crime boss, basically, like like Brian Cranston slowly losing his mind as like Tibbs <laughs> mishandles the team. Um, I think would be kind of fun. Um, I, I like that too. Uh, I I have. I'll just rattle off two or or three here. I guess I don't know. Uh, Worldwide West um, Samuel L. Jackson. I thought would be a good pick. Who else could you see being you know an actor that you could have take their shirt off and start singing uh, Empire State of Mind on a Zoom call? I, I think it's got to be Samuel L. Jackson. Did, he was did that happen? It. I didn't. know. Yeah, that, that was that was part of the one story about. I think that was the. Uh, your own, uh, or something yeah, else. that was the your own story. That was, and that was part of the the anecdote. There was that apparently West was on a, a Zoom call with Nick's Brass at one point, and just like took his shirt off and started singing "Empire State of Mind." That was blasting <laughs> in the background. Uh, so so good, imagine yeah. Samuel Jackson doing that. I think yeah, that would go pretty good. That's perfect. Yeah. Um, I, I so, so I'll let you comment on this one. I, I, I did feel like a genius, and you wrote on our doc like you really liked this one. Mike Breen played by Steve Martin. I felt pretty. I was. I felt pretty like stroke a genius when I thought of it. Yeah, no, that was so perfect. You see, I mean, maybe maybe it's the mutual white hair at this point, but I feel like he can capture like the gravitas that Breen brings to the table, but also like the the subtle sense of humor and like maybe it's dialing down some of the signature Steve Martin wackiness a little bit. But I feel like he's like he has the acting chops at this point to do that. We, we've all seen Cheaper by the Dozen, so yeah, I'm I'm, I'm with you 100. percent Yeah, so I'll, I'll rattle off a few, and then you can rattle off a few, and in, in the interest of not taking forever on this because we could literally spend all day doing this uh i had uh rj barrett played by caleb mclaughlin uh who you might know from stranger things is lucas you'd have to put on a little little muscle or whatever uh my wife told me that he might be uh, there was rumors that he might be getting cast as miles morales to play in the mcu which would be freaking sweet um stefan marbury in a flashback i had is mahershal ali speaking of stefan marbury uh obi Toppin. I said Michael B. Jordan, which is kind of funny because Michael B. Jordan's kind of on the shorter side, I think. Um, but you could, you know, just use some camera work. But the smile, you know, the smile is is good between the two of them. I think that's that's the main thing I'm looking for there. I, I uh, sent these to a friend, and he, he mentioned that was very generous to Obi Toppin, and I was like, yeah, I agree. But I, I mean, I, yeah, I like, I like I like the premise. Yeah, it, it you know they both have beautiful smiles, and it's tough to you know not everybody can look like Michael B. Jordan, but actors are prettier than the people they play often. So you true, know, true. it's not to say that Obi's not a nice looking dude, but yeah, Michael B. Jordan's definitely on a another level. Um, we had a, a difference in opinion, though. I think it's it it's negligible here uh julius randall i said uh daniel kaluuya but you said you had a different uh a different 
person. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd Winston Duke, uh, inspired by uh, the, the Black Panther uh, mutual casting there. But yeah, I just I think Winston Duke would capture the the physicality pretty well. And I think I just love like yeah, I think his sense of humor is like very subtle but like pointed and powerful at the same time. And I think he would do a good job sort of roasting Julius in the role. So I would I would like that. I'm with it. Uh, all right. Kevin Hart playing Kemba Walker. That was amazing. Yeah, that was another one. That was, no, no, no comment. No comment. Just the, perfect. Yeah. I enjoyed that one. Uh, I'll throw it to you for a couple in a row here. What's what's a couple of your castings? <laughs> I'm just like, I just to comment on that, not to prolong this, but I love the idea like of instead of Kemba just being like the perfect teammate through all this, Kevin Hart just slowly losing his mind like when he's <laughs> And Winston Duke is still allowed to play. He's just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> going up to him like trying to pick a fight at chess level yeah like. <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah that's oh, a good man. scenario uh we're, we're recording this well after midnight to be clear uh all right uh this was uh from friend of the show uh tyler prime whose voice sounds weirdly like alex maybe we'll bring him on one time to, to have that but uh steve novak as uh paul lieberstein from the office i just i don't think that needs a comment though. that's a perfect one uh, evan fournier as sasha baron cohen again if you're going to take this like absurdist direction <laughs> just like turning Evan Fournier into a Borat like character would be yeah. Really great. Um, I'm with yeah. it. I I like yeah. that. Um, yeah. you, <laughs> I, you know what? That's a that's we've got a few more castings here. Yeah, we're let's take let's a, take a break. Yeah, we're, I was we're about to say we're starting minutes. to run a little long. We're getting a little yeah. silly. So, Gavin, why don't you tell people where they could bet on? <laughs> the most likely of casting of Evan Fournier. Yeah. I don't All know right. if they uh, actually have that. but No, maybe. We're not. Probably not. All right. All right, NBA fans. Are you looking for a daily fantasy option for the NBA? Then you need to try the award-winning app, Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love it. And we know you will, too. You pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. And it's just you versus the projected numbers. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Prize Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals. So use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. PrizePix offers any prop you can think of, from points scored to rebounds, even steals. PrizePix allows mixed sport entries. So you can basically take one player in one sport, a.k.a. like, uh, I don't know, uh, Chris Kreider, um, maybe getting more shots on goal than Emmanuel quickly has made three-pointers. That would be a pretty good bet of late. And PrizePix doesn't just offer NBA. They have options on college basketball, college football, NFL, MLB, soccer, MMA, and more. So for a limited time, PrizePix has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our users. Users get $50 for free if a player in your first PrizePix entry scores a single point. But you must use code MBA. That's right. This is an exclusive offer available to Locked On fans. Sign up today and use code MBA for $50 for free if a player in your first PrizePix entry scores a single point. All right, and with that, we are back on Locked On Knicks. I've had some time to to calm down from my uh, Borat is Evan Fournier comparison, though now that I'm thinking about it again, I'm going to lose it. Um, yeah, uh, Alex, I'll, I'll just quickly mention uh, one one of my one of my two. Are here, you know, you you would you would the rest. So I'll, I'll get out my two final ones, let you comment on them, and then you can rip through uh, the rest of yours. Okay. My, my final okay. three, excuse me. Um, Tibbs as Rob Corddry. Uh, I just, I just thought of his ballers character. And I think, I don't know. I've just always like, like he never really plays like a super angry dude, but I just like him as an actor and he already has the ball thing down. Um, I think he can get to that point of anger, but there's probably, it's probably an older actor. There's probably like a better casting there. And do, I'm, I'm wondering think, who it is. Yeah. Do you think he could get Rob Corddry to smoke like 14 packs of cigarettes a day so that he could end up with a raspy enough voice to be tips. I think, like, I think he'd be down for that in, in his audition. I would need to hear him go. Oh, me, Oh, me. 
<laughs> that would be you the, see, the like, number one thing. I think that's part of my premise here is like, I think I, he, he has that shrill tone uh, within mm-hmm. him. All right. Um, I had Brock Aller. This is a very specific casting, but have, have you seen the um, uh, Malika Andrews, JJ Reddick State Farm commercial yet? I have not seen that one yet. Okay. No. Well, I want you to watch it immediately when we finish this because it's amazing. But basically like the premise is JJ Reddick is playing a guy who works at ESPN and is just locked in a room all day, coming up with stats and slowly losing his mind and talking to his coffee pot. Um, and he does, he's actually a fantastic actor. He does a really good job. It's very funny, but I like the idea of Brock Holler just being like locked in a room and trying to come up with ways to like, just correct the Knicks various issues. It's just slowly descending um, into madness. And then my final one was, was the last second one. I had Quentin Grimes as Donald Glover. Like, I think, I think Donald Glover can, I mean, obviously he's, he's a transcendent talent that could do a lot more than a, than a bit role in our, our fictional uh, TV show. But um, I think he does a very good job playing someone who's like, quiet and also um like just mystified by like the insanity of the situation like troy obviously troy on community was also a little like in on the insanity but he he could also observe it pretty well and i think he would do a good job uh, striking that balance as quentin grimes and yeah, i think they, with, they, there's some hair overlap there too so i, I yeah. really like the casting yeah him him with the i forget what episode oh the anytime he anytime he met lavar burton on community when you yes yes that's what i'm thinking that's exactly that's him what sitting on the bench yeah just, just, just him, him watching kemba hard keva go kemba go up to winston duke <laughs> <laughs> all right so to finish off my castings here uh in i got two flashback castings for various flashbacks here john david washington is earl the pearl how do you get much cooler than john john david washington uh, had to cast him somewhere. I love him as an actor. Uh, uh, Porzingis would be Adam Driver with blonde hair. Um, I, I don't feel like I need to explain why. I just think, you know, Adam Driver's a good actor and and he could definitely pull off that guy. And he's, you know, kind of lanky and tall looking. I think even though he looked a little brolic with his shirt off in the uh, in uh, Star Wars uh, uh, Last Jedi. But, you know, I think I think he could he could pull it off. Uh, we got to come up with a good uh, Giannis Porzingis too at some point. Yeah, we'd have to we'd have to brainstorm that. Maybe that'll be for season two. Yeah, that'll I think be, maybe uh, one of the one of the please don't destroy guys on SNL. I think could do a pretty good job with it. <laughs> that but. could work pretty good. Yeah, uh, Alec Burks uh, played by John Boyega. Uh, I just think I think there's a, a little bit of a resemblance there. I think there's enough that you could you could pull that one off. He's got to grow some stubble out though. That's yeah. a requirement. Uh, Emmanuel Quickly, played by uh, Everybody Hates Chris himself, uh, Tyler James Williams. Everybody Hates Quick, we would call it. That would be a, a side segment of the show. Um, <laughs> I had Ad- five minutes of every episode. <laughs> yeah, right. Everybody Hates yeah. Quick. Yeah. Uh, I had Adam Scott for Brock Oller just because I wanted him to basically play Ben Wyatt from uh, Parks and Rec. <laughs> Um, yeah. and, I could see him making he, his own board game for sure in his free time. Yeah, and then and then just being an accountant and like making all the other accountants laugh. You know, like he's like the funniest accountant in the room, but that's not really <laughs> worth much. Um, <laughs> Spike Lee is Spike Lee. I think we both obviously were thinking that you wrote it down, but you know, Spike yeah. Lee has to cameo as Spike Lee. Cuba Gooding Jr. is Isaiah Thomas in a flashback, uh, and Common as Taj Gibson. I think that's mm. my. My final casting there, but I think we can move to our next questions. These both were pretty much in the same vein here. Uh, so RJ Barrett Defense Brigade at Barrett Brigade 9 asks, with the recent news about Mitch in the front office struggling to agree on an extension, what sort of players could we get back in a potential sign and trade with Mitch? And then Nick at Nick Tess 01 
what do you guys think the market for a Mitch sign and trade would look like? And does this make sense for the Knicks? So basically the same question. Um, Gavin, I'll throw it to you first. What do you think about a, a potential sign and trade for the Knicks if if things really are murky and they're not looking to bring him back? Yeah, so we were we were going over realistic teams that that this could be the case for. Um, the Pistons, um, I, I can't say I looked in depth, but I, my presumption was their cap situation was in such a place where they wouldn't really need to do this. Maybe someone like Isaiah Stewart just to sort of clear out the rotation spot, and maybe the Knicks. Look, Stewart's a, a nice backup 4-5, uh, uh, probably more of a 5 because he can't really shoot, but um, there's – there's something there to like to some extent. Uh, if, if I've ever been more lukewarm on an answer, you could you could tell me. Um, but we, we decided to go through some contenders, and and the the team I landed for is is the uh, the home of uh, of uh, thrown out Nick's toys past. I hate to refer to Frank Nilakina that way, but it's it's the truth. Um, and that is the Dallas Mavericks, and I actually think uh, Mitch would be a fantastic fit with the Dallas Mavericks, um, similar to my premise when he was a rookie, that if he got to play with Rockets, James Harden, he would immediately average 20 points per game. I see something very similar with Luka Doncic and a team that were just basically everyone else on the roster is just a floor spacer for Luka. Um, having just a purely dominant rim runner with a six foot eight guy who is one of the best passers, I mean, maybe ever, um, like looking his direction um, and someone who would not be like looking him off or ignoring him or like not able to see him because they're just not tall enough. Um, I think Mitch would thrive in that environment. It would be an interesting philosophical question for Dallas because I think their premise is to just play four out around Luca and just, and let him dominate. And that's been working pretty well for them of late. Um, but I think Mitch would be a good curveball on that. And against certain teams, he'd be a nice option. And unlike, again, like a lot of other bigs in those traditional spots, he's someone who, theoretically might not be played off the floor in the postseason. So I think he would be appealing for them. And obviously Alex Dallas has a pretty appealing option to trade back to New York. Yeah, that would be Jalen Brunson. Uh, and, you know, they would have to pull off a double sign and trade, which I, I've gone back and forth over the last few weeks trying to figure out if that's available to the Knicks or not. Unfortunately, I, I just don't know if I'm quite versed in the cap enough to know for certain. If that can happen, it kind of seems like the answer might be it can happen. It's just never happened. So people have started to think that it can't happen. Uh, but assuming that that can happen and Brunson says he wants out, you could potentially pull that off their money. You know, you could work out a contract where they're basically making the same amount of money, uh, potentially two or at least close enough that they could just trade one for one for each other. And I think that would work out. So that's definitely an option. I was real quick, Gavin, I'll just throw one other team at you. <laughs> Another another team that all Knicks fans are going to want to love hearing about dealing with. But honestly, maybe the Brooklyn Nets also. I mean, I don't know how super crazy that is. Like, you know, I think there's a world where maybe they would look for. I mean, they have like they have Drummond this year, for example, on that one year deal that, you know, that they got from Philly. So, I mean, that's going to happen and they're going to play him a bit. But maybe if they feel like. You know, if they feel like, okay, we can give up like Nick Claxton and get someone a little more established and Mitch uh, and then, you know, find some way to make some salaries work or whatever. And then, you know, the Knicks just sort of push off the decision on having to pay someone for a year uh, by getting Claxton, who I'm pretty sure isn't expiring this year. Right. Yeah. He's. Oh, no, wait. No. Is oh, he? he is expiring this year. Oh, wow. wow. No kidding. His career well, went by so quick. I feel like he's in his second year, but I guess yeah. Not. Well, there's your other double sign and trade uh, <laughs> candidate, I guess. Yeah. So, 
All right, yeah, so that's another potential double sign and trade guy, I guess, if you pay him less than you pay Mitch. Um, so maybe that's someone that you look into and then, you know, roll with Claxton, I guess, instead of instead of Mitch at a lower price tag. Um, I don't know how I totally feel about that, but that, that would basically be like Mitch wants out, so you, you got to try to get something in return for him. Yeah, I, I don't get think, slightly I think they poor man's that. Mitch, basically. Yeah, yeah, sort of. Yeah, and I think Brooklyn, I'm, I'm not, I know they're, willing to go crazy into the luxury tax. I think they would maybe need to work on a separate Joe Harris trade if that were the case, but um, they might really value that kind of room protection. I don't know. I think it would be kind of contingent on how Ben Simmons works out for them. And, it, and if the vision of him as a small ball five is, is feasible or not, but if it's not, um, then maybe they just want Mitchell Robinson to throw at uh, a Joe. Well, I can't say that anymore after this weekend. All right, let's move on to the next question, Alex. <laughs> well, first I'm just going to let everybody know, about built bar this is the time of year that i and probably some of you have pretty much given up on your new year's resolutions but not this year i'm going to stick to my resolution to eat right thanks to built bar because it almost feels like it's not really a resolution because i enjoy them so much and you know what it, it just turned over to march i think i'm doing pretty good i'm still eating built bars have you guys tried built puffs as well they are fantastic if you haven't you're really missing out on one of built bars best tasting bars Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They're a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors like yummy cinnamony churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. So good. They're really going to be your new favorite. They're certainly one of mine. And all Built Bars are low-calorie and high-protein. You can replace your candy bars with Built Bars. They're better than a typical candy bar because they don't have as much as two to 300 calories, as well as all that fat and sugar and everything else. Built Bars have just 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four grams of net carbs, and 17 whopping grams of protein to go with all that. So if you want to get some Built Bars for yourself, go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you can get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, Gavin, moving to our last couple questions for this episode. I think we can confidently say, thanks to casting the Knicks' new HBO show, that this is going to be a two-parter. But first question comes from Knicks Will Rise at Knicks Will Rise. If the Knicks wind up with pick 5 to 10 in the draft, assuming Ivy is gone, uh, that's Jaden Ivy, would you try to trade it for a 2023 first to give more ammunition in a star trade during the 2023 offseason? What do you think about that? Um, probably not. I get the, the premise that the 2023 draft, not, not that I've dove deep on this, but it's supposed to be better than the 2022 one. And, and the generally accepted concept at this point in the NBA, that a a pick is generally more valuable than a player because uh, it's sort of like, um, oh my God, what is it? Is that an office thing where it's like, it's like, oh, you could get a million dollars or you could get the mystery box. And like, someone's like, oh no, it's like, you got it. Oh, that's that's boxes. a fam, family guy. Family yeah, guy. Thing. Family guy. Right. Thing. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Um. Anyways. Yeah. I think. I think the NBA weirdly holds true to that premise. Like, are you, you sure you don't want like the million dollars? Like, no, no, no. That's that's a mystery box. It could be anything. It could even be a million dollars. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And I think I think teams operate that way, right? They they want they want the draft pick. They want the the theoretical potential of that. They want the asset of the draft pick. Versus like once a player becomes a player, like he has real weaknesses and he has real developmental issues and, he, and there's real money to be paid his way. And, and 
teams, I don't think, like making that concrete commitment. And I think maybe even part of it is that GMs can prolong their own shelf life by saying, hey, we have all these picks versus, hey, we have this player who maybe isn't looking as good as we wanted to when we draft him. So that's all a long-winded way of saying, like, I understand the premise of the question and that um, that it's generally recognized that a pick is a more valuable commodity than a player drafted at that pick. Um, but I think with the way the Knicks have drafted the last two years and granted, look, the last time they drafted in the top 10, Obi top. And I think we can agree he was whether Obi's going to be a solid NBA player or not. That was not the right pick at number eight. Um, so maybe that's the argument against it. But they also have Quinton Grimes and Deuce McBride and and whatever however you feel about Duke, Deuce McBride and Rokas Jakobitis and Emmanuel quickly um, on their ledger. Like this team seems like they're good at drafting. So I would let them take their guy, whoever that is at five through 10 and trust that they're more likely to turn that player into an asset than the average team would be going forward. And therefore that player would have more value than uh, a future pick would. And also Alex, we, we talked about this a little bit before the show and I'll let you get into it a little bit more. These sort of trades rarely happen in, in a clean one-to-one way. And a big part of that is like, obviously you can't project where a team is going to pick in 2023. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you could take, I mean, there's some guys that are in that range that I feel like the Knicks would feel pretty drawn to Ty Ty Washington, you know, from Kentucky would potentially be a good fit. Johnny Davis from Wisconsin. You know, if you feel like Mitchell Robinson is is going to bounce, you could take uh, Jalen Duran from Memphis and, you know, get someone who's going to be on that rookie contract for you for four years at the center spot to kind of save you money at, at that position while potentially giving you a lead ability there. So there's, you know, a lot of a lot of potential options. And yeah, to your point, like, it's it's just sort of like um I, I don't know you know it's it, it's a weird deal to try to pull off like you don't want to you don't want to potentially trade down like let's say the Knicks were looking at like let's say Johnny Davis right and then you know it's like all right well we could take Johnny Davis at pick number eight or whatever or we could take um we could trade back like four spots and take whoever back here and net a future asset going forward and then Johnny Davis ends up a star and it's like you know, you just passed up the opportunity to take that guy because you foolishly thought you knew better. Sometimes it's better to just kind of take what's available to you if you feel like it's a good deal. I guess that would kind of be my thing here is, you know, I, I would need to hear like from Walt Perrin, like, no, don't worry about it. This guy that's going to be at 12 for sure is going to be better than this other guy. Um, and if you can net another first, the only thing that's difficult with that is like, the deals where we see teams get another first, particularly like an unprotected one, which would be the most, you know, advantageous for trying to make a trade are pretty few and far in between. Like the last one that I can think of that was somewhat notable, uh, or I mean, obviously very notable was Luka Doncic uh, for Trey Young back in the 2018 draft. And I can't really think of another time recently then where someone paid a fully protect or fully unprotected first round pick to move back even, you know, just a couple spots. So, you know, if you're getting a first round pick back, that's not something like what the Knicks got this past year, which was like that Charlotte pick was like heavily, heavily protected by the Hornets. It's like top 18, then like lottery, 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 or something like that. And then conveys his two seconds. So that means no matter what, that's at best of, you know, 15th pick or whatever. Um, unless you can get, you know, less protections on it. I, I think I'll kind of trend towards just taking the player right now, particularly because I think there are a lot of players in that range that could help the Knicks this year. So 
um, I'd be inclined to to not do that deal. I think. Yeah, but, and I think I think what the person is suggesting too, like this is where it's really unprecedented, is like not even trading back, just trading your pick this year for a pick next year. And if you're if it's a five to ten pick, the and you're delaying it a year, the assumption is that it would have to be unprotected. And it would have to be a team that's likely to end up in the top five. But with the way the lottery is now, like there's no guarantee, even if they're the worst record in the league. I mean, I guess then it's guaranteed they'll be in the top five, but that you, you're betting on a team basically having the worst record in the league. So I just, unless you're picking up some kind of extra asset, which again, this question doesn't seem to imply, like I just, I don't see how it makes any sense. Yeah, that's true too. You know, and I, I was just thinking along the lines of, of trading back, but yeah, like to do it straight up. I mean, I I'm trying to look at some of these teams that maybe would be in that conversation and there, none of them you can say guaranteed are going to be bad next year. Like yeah. Washington or like Detroit, you know, even, like with Cade, like they could make a jump or a mini. Yeah. Jump. But I, I couldn't, I couldn't ever see a team that's already this year, like in the top 10 ever trading an unprotected pick for another top 10 pick. You know what I mean? I think it would yeah, have to be one of those fringe teams that thinks like this pick is going to make the difference for us. Yeah. Um, so that's where it doesn't, it, it doesn't seem realistic, I guess. Would be the yeah. Yeah. Like even like Portland or something, it's like if Dame comes back and is healthy next year, they're probably not a lottery team again. Like, no. uh, you know, Atlanta could be, you know, it uh, could be back, you know, in the really good playoff discussion again, but if nothing else shouldn't be a particularly high pick, like Charlotte, you know, if they wanted to deal, I mean, there's so yeah. There's just not a lot of teams that seem like they would be a good bet to suddenly get really bad if they're willing to give you their first round pick and get to take then a top ten player and add it to whatever core they have already. So, I, I think I'd probably trend towards not doing that. Um, yeah, and, and you know, I, I wouldn't. I think that if you took like a Ty Ty Washington, he ends up being a good NBA player. Then he has more value than that like heavily protected pick you'd get back anyway. So, yep. Um, all right, final question for this mailbag episode. Tom Frazier at Michigan Nick. Uh, what is the most logical answer to uh, Tibbs and the Knicks can provide for not playing Deuce? There is not one, and that's our show. Thank you for watching Locked on Knicks. Um, okay. I mean, I couldn't tell you. I mean, he the guy is, is lighting up the G League, uh, which mm-hmm. is not – not not necessarily a guarantee that he'll be a good NBA player, but he's also played good NBA games this year. He's played good NBA minutes this year. And uh, even if he is the worst point guard in the NBA, it would still make sense to find out what you have in him. So I I don't think there is any logic to it. Yeah, I, I can't really see any either. I mean, if I was going to give an an- give like a Tibbs-centric answer, it'd just be like, he's not ready yet. He doesn't have enough reps or whatever. Yeah, He oh, hasn't. Uh- Go ahead. <laughs> oh no, I was just gonna say. I mean, I thought of I thought of one thing. I think I think honestly, like the the most logical version is like playing someone at point guard who's not ready to play point guard in the NBA could set back the development of the other guys. I just I don't think from what we've seen from Deuce, like I mean, he had that again. It was against the Rockets, but he had like a twelve assist game with no turnovers or nine assists with no turnovers or whatever. Like I just don't see how he's like he's such a drop off from Alec Burks that it would negatively impact someone like. Quentin Grimes when he's healthy or Cam Reddish when he's healthy. Like I, I just, there, there isn't, there isn't data that there's that separation there. And even if there were, like you could only really know that if you actually tried it for a couple of games. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I, I don't think there's any excuse either. You know, I, the only things that you could say is, Oh, he doesn't have enough minutes. And that's like the equivalent of like, when you, when you get out of college and you're applying for entry level jobs and they want you to have five years of experience, you know, it's yeah. like, 
how do I get the experience? You have to let me yeah. work. You know, it's <laughs> it's and and that's probably what Tibbs would say. You say, oh, he's not. He doesn't know what he's doing yet. He's he hasn't gotten enough practice reps. He hasn't literally jumped over Taj Gibson to dunk on him in a practice yet. So obviously, I can't you know say that yeah. he's prepared for. He hasn't, this he hasn't jumped over Common yet to dunk. Yeah, he hasn't jumped over Common in yeah. the in our TV show yet. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't. Know. I just don't think there's any good reason, and it's. I think that's why this question was asked because obviously there is none, you know, it's, it doesn't make any sense. Hopefully sometime in the next few games, as we're seeing Jericho Sims kind of take over the backup center spot, maybe we'll start at least seeing Deuce getting some backup point guard spot minutes, but I'm not going to hold my breath till I see it. Um, We might unfortunately have to wait till like next year to start seeing him there, which is a real shame. Uh, But I guess we'll see. Uh, but anyway, Gavin, do you have anything else to add before we sign off for today in this first part of the mailbag? No, nah, that's it. All right. Well, this has been Locked On Knicks. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for asking questions. And if you have any other questions that are on your mind, you're listening to this, we're, we'll still take a few more. If you, if you want to respond to our tweet, we're going to record a second part of this to get to the questions that we didn't get to already uh, and do that later on uh, in the week here. But until next time, thank you all for listening. And we'll be back soon uh, talking about tonight's game. So peace out, everybody. Talk to you all soon.